We are in our series in Ephesians, and today we are still in Acts chapter 19. So we're going to be reading from Acts 19, verses 11 to 20. Acts 19, 11 to 20 says this. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you, By the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for um, its encouragement to us this morning, its challenge to us. God, I pray that as we examine these, uh, these words and as, as they are proclaimed, that we would know that you have freed us. You have freed us from death and disease. You have freed us from uh, demons. You have uh, freed us to choose you, to follow you, to run after you. God, be with us now. May you be honored in the preaching of your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I don't know how uh, closely you followed that passage that I just read, uh, but it's probably one of the crazier passages of the Bible. Um, You've got all sorts of things going on here. Uh, Handkerchiefs being passed out. Exorcisms being done by people who don't Uh, have the ability to do the exorcisms. You've got people burning books, all sorts of things and directions we could go from this passage. Um, But what I want to emphasize throughout this time as we, again, look at Ephesus and as we uh, see how the Word of the Lord is going forth boldly in Ephesus is this, that there's extraordinary freedom in the gospel and in Jesus. Um, Throughout this passage, what we see you know, as we learn more about Ephesus going forward here, is that one aspect of Ephesus that is very clear is that there's prominent use of magic, arts, and spells to interact with the spiritual realm. They are caught up in this. They are, um, they are devoted to this to large degrees. We even see believers who, who had interacted with this and continue to interact with it as believers, So we're going to see, though, throughout this, that as the word of the Lord goes forth and as the power of Jesus is shown and demonstrated in this city, that extraordinary freedom is found 
in Jesus and in Jesus alone. So I'm going to walk through this in three little sections here. Uh, the first is verses 11 to 12, which deals with miracles. And we're going to talk about miracles for a minute. And then we'll talk about the exorcism portion, which is verses 13 to 17. And then we'll talk about the book burning portion, which is, which is the end. So we're just going to hit all kinds of fun things today for you all. I think there's something here for everybody uh, in that regard. All right, so miracles. Verses 11 and 12, what we see is that Extraordinary miracles are happening through the hands of Paul. God is doing these miracles through the hands of Paul. And what's happening in this passage is that things that had touched Paul were being taken to other people at other places who had diseases and even demon possession, and they were being healed by the clothing that was worn by Paul or had touched his skin. Miracles. <laughs> miracles happen. And, and as we looked at last, um, last week, the Holy Spirit is versatile, right, in the way in which he goes about accomplishing miracles. And this is definitely a very different one. So I want to talk briefly about miracles. Miracles happen, and we see them here. Um, and I think there's some things we need to know about miracles. The, the chief being that in G, it, what, what miracles proclaim to us is this truth that in Jesus we're free from the lasting effect of death and disease. And so I think that's the proclamation of miracles. Even when Jesus was doing them, as he raises Lazarus from the dead, why did he do it? To show his power over death, right? It demonstrates that death is defeated in Jesus, that disease is defeated in Jesus. So there's some things we should know about miracles. And the first is this, that the absence of a miracle is not always due to a lack of faith. A lot of times when you talk about miracles, uh, people come forward and say, well, you just didn't, you didn't have enough faith. You must not have believed hard enough or strong enough in the Lord's power. And so it just didn't happen for you because of your faith was just a little too weak. You need a little bit more. If you would have, you had half a mustard seed, if you had like a full mustard seed, then you'd have been okay. The absence of miracles is not always due to a lack of faith. Um, I will say this, faith is a component of miracles. Just as prayer is a component of, of the word going forth uh, in, our, in our world and of things changing, and we don't understand that entirely, faith is a part of miracles happening. We see this very plainly testified throughout the Gospels. Um, and I'm going to actually hit one of each here. Matthew 21, 21 to 22. Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Okay. Mark nine twenty three. Uh, this is the passage where the man's son has an unclean spirit. And they're asking Jesus, say, Jesus, if you can, please heal this, heal this boy of ours. If you can help us. And Jesus says, if you can. Almost like, are you serious? Um, all things are possible for the one who believes. A similar passage in Luke eight fifty. This is where uh, Jairus' daughter has died while Jesus' garment has healed a woman on his way there. He sort of gets hung up healing somebody else on the way there. And while he's healing somebody else, timing, you know, everything, and, and she passes away. And they come to her, they come to him and say, uh, it's okay, she's already passed, you know, she's already passed away. 
um, don't, don't bother the teacher anymore. But Jesus, hearing this, answered them, do not fear, only believe and she will be well. John fifteen seven. if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I think scripture testifies that faith is a component of seeing signs and wonders and miracles happen. It's absolutely true. Uh, and, and we ought to, uh, you know, the, the, the man and his son who had an unclean spirit, one of the things he says, and we'll say it again throughout this passage, is that he says, after Jesus says this to him, if you, um, couldn't find it, sorry. Uh, all things are possible for the one who believes. He says what? The famous, the famous message. I believe, help my unbelief. Right? And that's where our heart ought to be, is that, yeah, we're struggling with having faith that this or that is going to happen. Lord, help my unbelief. Help me believe that the God of the universe can step into this and make a way. Faith is a component of miracles, an important component of miracles. So if they don't always happen, and they don't always happen uh, uh, due to a lack of faith, wh- why don't they happen sometimes? Why why is it that uh, some of these diseases are, are cured by Paul's clothing and, and some, you know, some people aren't cured? Uh, why is that? There's a couple of things that I think play into why miracles don't happen and it you know, just goes to our limited understanding as humans. But the first is this, that God's purpose is involved. God has a purpose in our lives. And, and miracles have a purpose, and that main purpose is to proclaim that in Jesus we're free from the lasting effect of death and disease. So when we see miracles occurring, when we see them occurring, we say the Lord is good, and he has accomplished a great work here. See, sometimes we aren't aligned with God's purpose in things. We think that something ought to happen, that a miracle ought to be taking place at a particular time in our existence, and um, it isn't happening. Uh, God's got a greater purpose. He's got a reason for what's happening. His timing is involved, God's timing. The fact is that resolution to all suffering, all death, all disease, all, all difficulty, all circumstance has been resolved at the cross. It has been accomplished. Whether you uh, receive the miracle that you think you need in your body or you think you need in your life is not a question of if you will receive the fullness of God, if you will receive, receive fullness of health. It's a matter of when as a believer. Resolution to all suffering has occurred at the cross. It's finished. He has defeated all death and disease, and there will be a time when we have the full inheritance of his uh, being with us. Just as the Israelites, as they're wandering in the desert, and as they're, even before that, as, as the promise is made to Abraham, The promise is made to Abraham by God. It is as sure as done at that point that the land is his. But he doesn't see it. He never experiences it as a person. And the same thing is true when we think about miracles. We think about, I'm supposed to have this miracle happen to me now. Maybe not. Maybe maybe your full restoration in health and and well-being isn't until you are with the Father in heaven. But when they occur, they proclaim this truth that 
that that is going to happen, right? That, that, um, that the healing is going to come, that it is going to be accomplished. That in Jesus, the lasting effect of death and disease is broken, and we are free from that. So, um, miracles happen, right? And today we see some amazing miracles. And in fact, Luke portrays them as not just any kind of miracle. When I think of miracle, I think it's extraordinary, but usually it's not listed as extraordinary. In fact, in one case here, uh, Luke records that these miracles are extraordinary miracles, which is like seems redundant to me. Like, isn't a miracle? Anyway, they are extraordinary miracles that were happening through Paul. And this is, a, this is a really cool passage as I was, as I was uh, reading through it this, uh, this week. What I found out is that, you know, this says handkerchiefs and aprons. And what actually the word for handkerchief is, is sweat rags. <laughs> you might know that uh, Paul is, a, is a, a tent maker. And so these were basically work clothes. Like these are the sweaty rags that he was using as he worked. And he'd throw off, cast off around his shop or whatever, wherever he was working. Uh, and when he was done with them, they were set aside. And these sweat rags from the work that he was doing every single day uh, as, a, as a tent maker were being taken by people and healing them all over Ephesus. Isn't that cool? I mean, Paul didn't like gather up a bunch of handkerchiefs and like touch them and then send them out to people. He was just doing his job. And, and out of the fruit of his labor, these handkerchiefs, these sweat rags were being taken by people and healing people all over the place. Sweat rags, his aprons, whatever clothing had touched him in his work, they were casting out diseases and evil spirits. I mean, uh, talk about seeing your job as a ministry, right? I mean, the very clothes that you're wearing at your do- job are taken uh, away from you. You're not even present when it happens. The miracles are occurring. And that's extraordinary. That's extraordinary. The thing I love about this verse is that it challenges me to see, um, see what I do differently. And I think it, hopefully it challenges you in the same way. The fact is, I believe this is our God. He does extraordinary miracles. And I want the faith to believe that he can do something similar through me and through you and through you and through you and through you. When you're seeking the Lord, when, you are, uh, when you're going about your day to honor him, you don't have to come up with a formula to see things happen. You just have to honor the Lord, and he will bring things about. Uh, I, I guarantee you, Paul didn't think, Let's, I'm just going to cast these sweat rags off and let people get healed by them. No, he was just doing his work to the glory of God, and God was using it for his glory in an extraordinary manner. So miracles proclaim that, uh, that we are free from the lasting effect of death and disease, and uh, we should know this, that the manner in which we conduct our work also has the ability to free people in Jesus' name. All right, so these amazing things are happening, right? Paul's clothing is going about Ephesus, healing people without Paul even being present. Um, so extraordinary miracles are happening. And 
what results is that people like to sort of copycat things when amazing things are happening. They say, okay, well, I see that Paul is, he's preaching Jesus, and so, and his clothes are healing people, so maybe we should take on this name of Jesus. That's literally what happens in the next passage, verses 13 to 17. Uh, some, some Jewish um, itinerant exorcists are saying, hey, Jesus' name is working for Paul. Let's go ahead and take that and, and start using it ourselves. Verse 13, Then some itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the name of Jesus, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. There were seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva who were doing this. Let me just start out in this section by saying nothing can duplicate Jesus' power. <laughs> They're trying to duplicate Jesus' power by, by taking what Paul is doing and turning it into a mantra, uh, turning it into a formula. And the fact is, unfortunately, as Christians, we have done, been guilty of doing the same thing. Uh, there are many televangelists that have taken this very passage and said, you know what, uh, why don't we get some handkerchiefs and have them sent out to people so that they can heal people uh, that, that get the handkerchiefs. The fact is, it was never even a handkerchief. <laughs> That's the English translation. This was a sweaty rag, you know. It wasn't, it wasn't a handkerchief that they had purchased for distribution. It was a, a sweat rag that had been used in the work of the Lord. And the thing we really shouldn't do, ever, with miracles, they're free, okay? You, you don't charge for handkerchiefs. Or you don't, comp- you don't even compel people to give, to receive a handkerchief that has been bought from who knows where to distribute for, for some supposed healing. Um, nothing can duplicate Jesus' power. We, we don't, again, the, the Holy Spirit is versatile, and we don't get to determine uh, the means and manner in which he's going to show up and do something amazing. And, and once we start trying to do that, we get into a lot of trouble, as we'll see here in the next verse. Verse 15, so these, these uh, itinerant exorcists are, are invoking the name of Jesus on evil spirits. Again, we're seeing that Ephesus is all about interacting with the, with the, with the spiritual realm. And so they're going about trying to exercise demons from people in the name of Jesus who they don't believe in. But Paul is preaching, so they're seeing Paul do these amazing works in Jesus' name. So like, you know what? Let's take that and try and use it ourselves. They have no relationship with Jesus. So in verse 15, we see this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? That's something we learn here. Evil spirits have limited knowledge and power. See power part next, but they have limited knowledge. They, they are aware of Jesus. They are aware of even Paul, but they are not aware of these that are proclaiming. They have limited knowledge. Um, and they also have power. Let's read the next passage. What happens because they don't know who this person is that's preaching in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. 
And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. Obviously. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, if, uh, if this man who's possessed by an evil spirit uh, just rises up and brutally beats seven other men uh, so that, you know, they're run out of the house naked and wounded, I think that's probably going to get around. I mean, I know they didn't have social media back then. They, didn't, they weren't on Snapchat. So no one was getting that thing, you know. Uh, but that word was getting around. All in the land knew what had happened. Both Jews and Greeks and fear fell upon them all. The name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Evil spirits have limited knowledge and limited power. And, uh, and, and you shouldn't mess around with it. I mean, that's, that's literally what was going on here, is that these guys were like, hey, let's just use this power and uh, we can control these guys because the name of Jesus is powerful. You don't mess around with it. It's not something to play with. It's a, it's a reality. It, yeah, they're limited in, in their knowledge and power, but they're also real and, and can do real things. And so um, they're not some, something to be messed around with. question that always comes up when we're dealing with passages like this where, where someone is possessed by uh, a, a demon or an evil spirit is, can that happen to a Christian? It can't. Right. You're right. It can't happen to a Christian. Jesus has freed us from bondage to Satan. The, the Holy Spirit resides in us. There's no room for anybody else in there. There's no room for the devil. There's no room for a demon to reside in a Christian. You, you cannot be possessed by a Christian if you have been possessed with the Holy Spirit. But I will say again, as we see that evil spirits have limited knowledge and limited power, they, they knew who Paul was, they knew who Jesus was, and they can do things what, what can happen to a Christian is that we can give influence to evil spirits over us. We, we can allow them to influence us. We can allow them to um, get a foothold, but they cannot possess us. Jesus has freed his followers from bondage to Satan. All right, so we've seen some people come copycat, right? We've seen them see what, G, what Paul is doing uh, by the power of God, and we see some people copycatting that. And now we see another response to what Paul is doing in verses 18 to 20. Uh, it says, And also, many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. What we see in verse 18 is that here in Ephesus, some people had come to know the Lord Jesus, had come to faith in the Lord Jesus, but they were still, uh, they were still practicing magic arts. They were, they were still, you know, engaging in these spiritual activities. What we learn from this is that our sanctification is a process, right? Like, you know, sometimes... When someone comes to faith, if they come out of an addiction or, or some sort of thing, they might drop that immediately. Like the Lord might do a work and they, are dropped, they drop that addiction immediately and move forward from it. 
not everything's been fixed in their life. And the same is true here in Ephesus. One of the main things that they're dealing with here in Ephesus is idol worship and, and uh, use of magic arts and practices to engage with the spiritual realm, to have power over it, to, uh, to enjoy it, to, uh, to do all sorts of things. And when they became believers, they, they were still practicing. Many of those who were now were believers came confessing and divulging their practices. The response of these believers to uh, seeing the extraordinary miracles of Paul, seeing his sweat rags be passed around the city of Ephesus and heal people from diseases and evil spirits, their response to that was, oh man, this stuff is real and, and we have to get a handle on it. Their response was confession and repentance. So what did they do? They, they came divulging their practices. They came saying, confessing what they, uh, things they had been still engaged with. And it says, a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And counting the value of them, found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver, which is basically 50,000 days wages. It's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a whole lot of money. Uh, very valuable uh, books. Their response to seeing uh, the power of God move through Paul in this way and heal people from diseases and evil spirits was to confess and repent. We ought to expect as Christians that our convictions um, are subject to change. That as we grow closer to the Lord, as we, as we know Him more and more, that things that we used to enjoy and, and uh, maybe, maybe justify or rationalize, uh, we no longer enjoy be, because maybe we see that it was having an influence on us that, that shouldn't have been there. It was taking over our time or taking over our thoughts or taking over um, our perspective in some way. We ought to expect that our convictions will change. Our, our sanctification is a process. And the thing I see in this is that uh, we have freedom. Like, God has given us freedom here. He didn't, he didn't remove everything from us when we came to know the Lord Jesus. He, he lets us work through our issues slowly so we more and more see his glory at work in our lives, making us more like him every day. And he gives us freedom to uh, choose the, the influence of the Spirit over the influence of evil. Uh, Heath Watson shared this um, quote from Viktor Frankl this week, and I, I really liked it. It says this, Between stimulus, that is something that happens, and a response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. Okay, between something happening and our response, there's a space between what happened and our response to what happened. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth 
and our freedom. As, as things happen to us, right? As, as some stimulus or some event happens to us, there's a space between how we're going to respond to that event and our actual response. And the more and more we grow, the more and more we understand, we, we have an ability to choose our response to things. You know, when, when you're Paul here and you're going into work, people are taking your clothes, you know, like, like they're taking his aprons and his sweat rags, you know. I mean, maybe he didn't want them to take them. I don't know. You know, but he was just doing his work. He wasn't even concerned about it. He wasn't concerned about it at all. He was concerned about glorifying the God. You need that apron? Sure, yeah, go ahead. I'll just get another apron. It's no big deal. I'm sure once he found out they were healing people, he was like, yeah, take them. I don't know what's happening, you know. Our, our response to things um, is a freedom that God has given us, an ability, a space in which to grow. And it happens all the time at work. I mean, I'm sure it was happening with, with uh, Paul, but all the time we run up against issues and things that, uh, that come against us and, and our immediate, you know, desire is to maybe respond in anger or frustration or, um, or whatever. But we have the ability to stop and assess and say, okay, like, you know, I was there once. <laughs> you know, this, this person is uh, really challenging me with what I'm trying to help them move along in. And I'm getting a little impatient here, but I have to remember I was there once too, Right? and, and um, change my response for that and have patience. The same is true here as, as these believers now realize that, that the spiritual realm isn't something to be messed with, right? They have seen uh, this, these exorcists you know, get destroyed by this man who is possessed by an evil spirit. They have seen these uh, rags and aprons go about Ephesus and heal people in the name of Jesus. They realize who's in control of the spiritual realm, right? Like, oh, I get it. Like, these magic arts books aren't what I should have. I should just have Jesus. The, the, the connection came to them finally. Like, oh my gosh, those things are worthless. In fact, they might be, uh, they might be harmful more than helpful. They, they thought they were helpful because they give control over spiritual realms and try, try and do things and, uh, and maybe make cool tricks. I'm not sure what they did. But they realized that it wasn't something messed around with. They said, you know what? We're not giving them away. They could have sold these things, right? I mean, 50,000 days wages. That's a lot of days. <laughs> they could have sold these things, but instead they knew these things have to be destroyed. Like what evil spirits do is they get a hold of people and go and beat up seven men. So let's just purge ourselves of, this, of these magic arts. You know, let's just get rid of them entirely. The Holy Spirit resides in us and we have the freedom to choose his influence rather than the influence of evil in our lives.
All right, so this is an awesome passage. Just a few few things to wrap up with and go with is, is this. These were extraordinary miracles, no doubt about it. Uh, as miracles go, top notch. You got dirty sweat rags healing people all across the city. That's a pretty awesome thing to see. But I think God desires to work powerfully through our work. And I don't think we should put any limitation uh, upon what he might do through our work today. Yes, these things were extraordinary, but I'm telling you that you are each in a seat and in a position for a purpose. And, and that purpose is to proclaim freedom to those who are around you. And that includes your coworkers. That includes the people you commute with. That includes the people you see in your normal routine. Like that includes your life. God wants to free people around us. He desires that. And he'll, you know, if he has to, he'll do it through your sweat rags and your aprons, you know? But I do think it's important that we believe that God is able to do those types of things. Part of it is, is simply getting my spirit in line with his and saying, Holy Spirit, I give you this day. And I don't know what you're going to do with it. I don't know if you're going to take some of my aprons and go heal some people in Ephesus. I don't know what you're going to do with it. But I'm willing to see whatever you want to do with it happen. These were extraordinary miracles, but I think God desires to work powerfully in our work too. Second, this. Demons have power. They do. We, uh, we sometimes think that things are just benign and like neutral. Uh, demons have power. And, and we should be aware of that, that, that they have power. But as a Christian, we should rest in the knowledge that the Holy Spirit resides in me and, and a demon has no authority over me. He might have power, but he has no authority over me. Finally, this, the things we do, things we watch, the things we read, the things we say, the things we consume, they're not spiritually neutral. They're not spiritually neutral. Sometimes we think that just because we're enjoying it or it's, it feels good or whatever, especially, you know, our culture says, well, if it feels good and it's not hurting anybody, then, you know, no big deal. Like, no, like, you ought to assess, you know, your life and say, man, Lord, is there something in here that's got a hold of me? You know, is there something I need to let go of so that your glory and your freedom can reign in my life and therefore reign in the lives of those around me? The things we do and watch and read and say and consume, they're not spiritually neutral. I will step back and say this. I'm not calling for a book burning next week. Okay, we don't, it's all digital now anyway, so I'm not sure how you burn, burn all that. Um, it's not as, not as easy. Um, but I am calling for us to, to take stock of what we engage with and say, like, does, does this have the right place in my life? Is, is, does the Lord Jesus have precedence over this in my life, or, or does this have precedence over the Lord Jesus? And, and, or the question, is this helpful? Or am I just wasting my time with this? 
you know? This is just distracting me from something better or more positive for my family or my work or my life or the kingdom especially that I could be doing. The things we do, watch, read, say, consume, they're not spiritually neutral. The overarching message here again is that in Jesus we've been given extraordinary freedom. We've been given freedom from death and disease. We don't know when that's going to come. Some of us, it comes early. Okay, that's why you see miracles happen in life, is that the, the, the freedom from that disease or that death came early. And the Lord said, I'm stepping in to show my glory to this situation and say, you know what? God is greater than all this mess that we're worried about. We've been freed from the lasting effect of death and disease. We're free from the bondage of Satan. And we're free to choose his influence over the influence of evil. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, vibrant stories like this that, that demonstrate your power and your might. We pray... Uh, God, with the, the father of, this, of uh, the boy with an unclean spirit, we pray that, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Help us in a greater measure each and every day believe that you have a purpose and a plan with what we're doing right now. Help us to increasingly and give over our lives to you, that, that you um, will get the glory, that you would be able to set people free around us. God, we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.